Treat dad to the good stuff at Nordstrom Rack and save big. Father's Day is Sunday, June 16th, and Nordstrom Rack's got gifts dad will love up to 60% off. Shirts, activewear, watches, cologne, denim, and more. Find amazing deals on Tommy Bahama, Cole Haan, Original Penguin, and Vince. Great brands, great prices. So get to your Nordstrom Rack store now and make dad's day with gifts up to 60% off. Feel the pulse of the city. Feel the beat of the drum. Feel the bass blow your hair. In Las Vegas, live music delivers much more than sound. It's where music comes alive. With artists like Megan Thee Stallion, Maroon 5, Carrie Underwood, Shania Twain, Babyface, Lionel Richie, and many more. Every show is a playground for your senses. See the full summer lineup at visitlasvegas.com. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. This is All of It. I'm Allison Stewart, live from the WNYC studios in Soho. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Just want to say our next special guest wasn't planned, just kind of happened, so we're going to go with it. You may remember a few weeks ago, we did a Small Stakes Big Opinions segment about cruise ships. Would anybody want to go on a cruise ship? Why? Pros and cons. And we had a WNYC listener call in from a cruise ship as it was pulling into port in Bora Bora. You may remember Alan. We told Alan, hey, Alan, call us back. Let us know how it's going on. It's a 138-day cruise. Alan was, happened to be listening to WNYC at the time. So uh, Alan has called in from his cruise. Hi, Alan. Hi, Allison. I'm so glad you called in. It's nice to speak with you. Where are you? I'm in Sydney, Australia, the other, the down under, as they say down here. And remi- uh, we just pulled into the port here, and, and we're going on to Tasmania tomorrow. Remind people when you got on this cruise, what the cruise is about, and why you decided to take it. Okay. it's uh, We got on December 20th in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, we go west through the Panama Canal. We go to six continents. Uh, we end up in London on May 6th, uh, and I fly back to New York. I'm here because of the 58 ports that we're stopping in. I mean, it's in six continents and many places I have never seen. Uh, you know, so that's that's the reason for me. Uh, some people are here for the ship itself. It's 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 a luxury. And the thing about luxury is it's not an acquired taste. You fall in love with it the second that you have it. <laughs> so uh, the, 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 the food, the entertainment, the facilities, there are people who don't get off the ship for 138 days. Uh, they're here just to enjoy that. But many of us are here for the destination. So, uh, you know, today is uh, Sydney. I've been here before, but we're cruising the harbor. Tomorrow it's Tasmania, and uh, I understand it's a spectacularly beautiful place, so we'll probably go out hiking there. Uh, and then, you know, yeah. about another week in Australia before we go up to uh, Bali and Indonesia and Vietnam and, you know, then down around uh, 
the thing a lot of us are concerned about is uh, whether we're going to complete the trip through the Red Sea because of what's going on in the Red oh. Sea, or whether mm -hmm. they will reroute us around Africa. Uh, uh, and we'll miss a lot of the destinations oh. like in the Mediterranean. Uh, so for, for me, that would not be fun. But right. for some people, they could care less. They just want the luxury. <laughs> so, Alan, but we, we spoke to you on January 19th. What have you seen since we last spoke to you that has really will stay with you, the thing you'll tell people about? Uh, I, I spoke to you when I was in Bora Bora, and then we went to Mo'orea and Tahiti. Uh, that, to me, the scenery... The, the just the land. It feel like, you feel like you're on a movie set when, mm. you, when you're in in uh, uh, New Zealand. Uh, that's where we went right after Tahiti, and, uh, and we were about a week in New Zealand. And Alan, are so, you taking us I mean, with Peter you? Jackson is, are you taking us with you, WNYC? Oh, I, <laughs> I, I wish I could. I would take you all. I mean, I listen to you every day. I, I, I get it more clearly here than I do from my home in Chelsea. Alan, I think, you know what, we're about, we're walking distance from Chelsea. So I think when you get back, you should come to the studio for yes. an in-person hello and maybe an in-person interview. I okay, I would love to do that. Excellent. I promise I will. I'll call back on this number and we'll do it. Definitely. Well, call back before then. We want to hear another trip. Call us back another couple of weeks. We want, we want more updates, Alan. Okay, you got it. Safe travels. Thank you. Love an impromptu interview. And on we go. This Black History Month, we're having a series of conversations dedicated to the lives of black New Yorkers. Today, we head to one of the New York Public Library's excellent research libraries, the Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture in Harlem. A new exhibit there looks at the friendship of photojournalist and U.S. Foreign Service Officer Griff Davis and perhaps one of Harlem's most favorite celebrated residents, Langston Hughes. The exhibit opened on Hughes' birthday, and Hughes' ashes are buried under the lobby of the Schomburg, close to the exhibit. The show displays photographs Griff Davis took of Langston Hughes, including when Davis was a student in Hughes' creative writing class, as well as letters they sent to one another throughout the many years of their friendship and professional partnership. Davis even rented a room in Hughes' brownstone while a grad student at Columbia. The Ways of Langston Hughes, Griff Davis, and Black Artists in the Making is on view at the Schomburg at 135th and Malcolm X Boulevard through July 8th. With me now is Dorothy Davis, Griff Davis's daughter and president of the Griffith J. Davis Photographs and Archives and guest curator of this exhibit. Dorothy, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. So Thank you for having me. The show is about this relationship between your dad and Langston Hughes, what do people think, even those who are familiar with both men and their great achievements, what do you think they can learn about their friendship and friendship in general from this exhibit? Well, the basis, I think, or the, yeah, the basis of their relationship was, was really, or their friendship, um, was really two black men who uh, helped each other in to pursue their own dreams, their respective dreams, in an environment that was uh, against all odds. And that's really what the exhibition is about in terms of the letters. The letters mm -hmm. are important to see 
Langston Hughes as just just a human being versus the persona, the public persona, even though you have that as well. But it's it's really focusing on their personal friendship and and really the friendship with our family. Let's talk about the friendship with your family. I have heard you say that you didn't fully understand that Langston Hughes was Langston Hughes <laughs> growing up. Exactly. I didn't know that Langston Hughes was the public persona that everybody knows mm-hmm. <laughs> until I read his obituary in the New York Times in 1967. Um, that's how uh, personal the relationship was. Uh, my, our parents never really talked about it. Um, it was just essentially another friend of our parents. And so uh, that, that was my approach to him. Um, he was, uh, uh, I remember going to his, um, town, his, what do you call it? Brownstone Mm -hmm. in Harlem. My earliest memory of, of going there was, I think I was probably about seven around there. And, uh, we walked in, we opened the gate and went down the stairs to the door that was underneath the flight of stairs that go up to the first floor. Mm Mm-hmm and uh, walked in, and um, my parents went into a room on the left, I'll say, and there was uh, the figure, Langston Hughes. It was kind of dark in there. There wasn't a whole lot of light in there, but his aunt, Aunt Toy, uh, took my brother and me into the kitchen where she gave us pink lemonade, <laughs> and all I remember is, is like the red linoleum floor. I don't know why a child would focus on that, but... That's what I focused on. Um, And then later on in life, I uh, realized that he had uh, given me an autographed uh, children's book, his autographed children's book, called The Book of the West Indies. And he gave it to me when I was about three years old. Um, When I found, when it really, when it resurfaced in, in our, uh, in our, belongings, I realized that I had scribbled all over the book. So oh, no. I was trying to I was trying to write, I guess. I don't know what I was doing, but that that's that's my gift from him. Um also in the letters, uh my parents um sent him a letter saying that um they were expecting, which was expecting me. Aww. And then in in May, uh that was in February, I think, 1953, in May, um, he wrote back and he said, when is the heir apparent going, where is the heir apparent going to be born, here or there? (laughs) Because my parents were in Liberia and he was in New York. (laughs) So I'm quite honored with that uh, term or that title. (laughs) And will you explain to folks why you were born in Liberia? Well, my... my, uh, father became a U.S. Foreign Service officer. Uh, he took the test and um, was sent to Liberia, which is the only place other than Haiti that African-American Foreign Service officers were sent to by the State Department. Um, and so he, he started that particular side of his career in Liberia as the first information officer for President Harry Truman's Point Four program, 
which uh, is the predecessor to what we now know as the U.S. Agency for International Development, or USAID. It started there. So I was born soon soon after they arrived. I mean, not born. I was conceived soon after they arrived. And um, uh, they, um, they were there for about four years, so till 1957. My guest is Dorothy Davis. She's the guest curator and the daughter of Griff Davis, president of the Griffin, Griffith J. Davis Photographs and Archives. We're talking about a new exhibit at the Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture. It's called The Ways of Langston Hughes, Griff Davis and Black Artists in the Making. It's on view now through July 8th. So the show is is in two sections. There's a, there's a section about Atlanta and a section about Harlem. Your dad was born in Atlanta and actually on the Morehouse campus. Is that right? Yeah, he was literally born on Morehouse <laughs> campus and he grew up Spelman's campus, oh, wow. and um, my grandfather um, was a Morehouse graduate also, um, but he was the superintendent for buildings and grounds at Spelman until he died, so that's why he grew up on Spelman's campus. <laughs> so, When did your father develop an interest in photography? In high school. He said that there was a teacher named William Brown at the Atlanta University Laboratory High School that he attended, and it, it piqued his interest. So I have all this to, to thank Mr. Brown, <laughs> <laughs> because his camera became like an appendage. So, so and how I have did, a lot of photos. And how did, your father, how did your father meet Langston Hughes? Well, in his senior year at Morehouse, he decided to take a a course that Langston Hughes was teaching as a visiting professor at Atlanta University, which is now Clark Atlanta University. And so he took the class, it was a creative writing class um, in his last semester. And at the same time, my father was the campus photographer for the various campuses around that area. And so Langston Hughes realized that and basically adopted him as his photographer in Atlanta. Mm. So some of the photographs you see are of that era when Langston Hughes was a visiting professor there. And you will also see um, there's a picture, a a blow-up of the first page of my dad's first essay that he wrote Mm -hmm. for class. And you will see the edits of Langston Hughes on at the top of the page. So that's pretty nice. Yeah, so it's like a whole wall. It's the the, the projection is pretty is pretty cool. There's also these, yeah. these great photos in the exhibition and you get a sense that Langston Hughes you know, there's, there's pictures of him with his students in a diner, and there's pictures yeah. of him with them sort of gathered around a table reading a magazine. Did your dad ever talk about what he was like as as an educator and a, a teacher, it seems like it's it was a not just teacher student relationship. Like maybe there was a mentorship or a sort of a, a familial sense. Yeah, um, he didn't really talk about the teaching aspect, so to speak, mm-hmm. of Langston Hughes. It was more about the relation. They the, Langston Hughes essentially they moved from let's say student professor relationship to mentor relationship mm-hmm. because like I said that was the last semester of my, uh, my that my dad was at Morehouse and so therefore you're moving into trying to get a job right, right. <laughs> and so so 
so Langston Hughes uh, was was impressed, I guess you would say, by my dad and and his writing. That um, when John Johnson, the founder and publisher of Ebony Magazine, told him that he was looking for a roving editor for Ebony, Langston Hughes recommended my dad. And so my dad became the first roving editor for Ebony and moved from Atlanta to uh, Chicago. Um, and they were actually able to do one story together for Ebony. Uh, and it was called Atlanta. And that's also in the exhibition. Um, it, it was a story that Langston Hughes wrote, but my dad shot uh, different parts of what, would be called Black Atlanta at the time because mm-hmm. of segregation and Jim Crow. Um, and uh, I guess they were very proud of it because they autographed it. <laughs> they autographed the article. So that's what you'll see. And it's interesting. There's a, a subtitle for that article that reads, it's Negroes have, about Atlanta, it's Negroes have most culture, the most culture, but some of the worst ghettos in the world. And your father once said about the article, we wrote about things that needed to be said about Atlanta that were not being said. What yeah. do you What do you they think? Got, yeah, go ahead. They got a lot of flack from the black Atlantans that they featured <laughs> um, because they highlighted um, the uh, discrepancies, the differences uh, in their lifestyle. Um I think there was one person who, uh, in the article, valued his home for, I think, let's say $50,000 and got mad that they published that in the article because that was going to cause him some issues with IRS. (laughs) So, so, yeah, so um, because I think he he had a, a lower value or he told IRS a lower value or something of the house. So there were things like that. And what my dad said is it was probably a good thing that um, he was living in Chicago when the article came out and not Atlanta. (laughs) So we're discussing the exhibition, the ways of Langston Hughes, Griff Davis and black artists in the making. It is currently at the Schomburg. My guest is Dorothy Davis. We'll have more after a quick break. This is all of it. You are listening to all of it on WNYC. I'm Allison Stewart. We're talking about a new exhibit at the Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture. It's called The Ways of Langston Hughes, Griff Davis, and Black Artists in the Making. It's on view now through July 8th. My guest is Dorothy Davis, the daughter of photographer, photojournalist, diplomat, Griff Davis. She was guest curator of the exhibit, as well as the president of the Davis Photographs and Archives. When we think about, we talked about Atlanta. Let's talk about the Harlem side. Uh, the section about Harlem, there, Hughes famously lived on 127th Street. And your dad rented a room in Langston Hughes's yeah. home while attending Columbia Journalism School. How did that yeah. come to be? Well, after about a year and a half at Ebony, my dad decided that he needed to hone his professional skills as a photographer and journalist and uh, started a dialogue with Langston Hughes as to whether he should leave Ebony or, you know, was this a good idea and so forth. So uh, Langston Hughes suggested that he should go ahead and apply to Columbia 
University Graduate School of Journalism, and he wrote his recommendation letter with you know, that went with his application. So uh, I, I, I'm sure you, you probably know that Langston Hughes at some point in his life before this um, also attended Columbia, and uh, I think he left after a semester because of the racism mm-hmm. on the campus. So um, he offered uh, a room in his home for my dad to rent while he was attending Columbia Journalism School. So dad rented the room uh, on the third floor. It was the same floor as Langston Hughes' room and his office. And um, what would happen is that uh, in the evenings, because Langston Hughes didn't get up until 12 o'clock at every day because he went to bed really late so he didn't wake up till 12 o'clock nothing started until then so in the evenings he would go on his assignments and he would take my dad to as his photographer so that those are the photographs you see in that section of the exhibition um one of them is of uh canada lee the legendary actor canada lee in his um his dressing room I think it was uh, at the Apollo. Uh, You see Langston Hughes interviewing him. Well, Langston Hughes was doing uh, an article about what do entertainers do backstage for Ebony. So he he interviewed a series of um, entertainers like that. I point to that particular um, photograph because it is permanently installed in the Museum of Broadway. Um, And... um, it's part of a whole collection of photographs that, that my dad took about uh, around Harlem. So you'll see Har- Harlem shots, right? Mm-hmm. Shots of Harlem. There's one woman, you see the back of her, she has, she's dressed up and she's got these high heels on and, and she's got this hat on and you just know that she's going to church or has come from church mm-hmm. or something and it's it's a it's a, a visual that you see in Harlem today, so it's very it's very um, familiar, right? So um, that's 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 and then the other thing when when my father um, graduated from Columbia, he was the only African American student in that in the class of 1949 for Columbia University Graduate School of Journalism because at the time Columbia only allowed one black person per year. Mm-hmm. So he was the only one. So it was particularly um, moving at, at the opening of the exhibition when Dean Jelani Cobb came oh, nice. to, to see it. So that was a nice kind of full circle. <laughs> I also went to Columbia, so I'll add that, too. <laughs> what is a, a photo or an image that you would like folks to spend a little extra time in front of when they go to check out the exhibition, The Ways of Langston Hughes, Griff Davis, and Black Artists in the Making? I think it's the one where he's surrounded by students. Like, I think they're high school students in um, Atlanta. Mm-hmm. He's autographing something, a book or something. But he's, it's, he's in a sea of students. And they they look their faces look so hopeful and and so alert and you know ready for the future kind of a face you know faces and it's girls and boys so I that's that's got to be one of my favorite ones and and it's transcending but I also want to say that 
complementing the photography of my dad and the letters are um, photographs and archives from the Schomburg's collection mm-hmm. um, across five divisions of the Schomburg. And um, notable additions to the exhibition include a watercolor by Joseph Barker of Langston Hughes's home on East 127th Street. And then there's a letter from Hughes to playwright Lorraine Hansbury and a listening station so you can even hear Langston's own words. So that it, it's a nice compliment, and it also um, extends the theme of friendship to other people who, who were notable in their own right. So you'll see photographs from the Schomburg collection of um, uh, Harry Belafonte, um, Sammy, uh, Davis, Sammy Davis yeah. Jr., um, and, and a host of others. And, you know, we, as the outside world, so to speak, looking at them, are enamored by their talent, but within their own circle, they probably had the same kind of friendship that my dad had with Langston Hughes. So that's uh, the idea of extending it to, to them. The name of the exhibition is The Ways of Langston Hughes, Griff Davis, and Black Artists in the Making. It's on view at the Schomburg through July 8th. My guest has been Dorothy Davis, guest curator, daughter of Griff Davis, and president of the Griffith J. Davis Photographs and Archives. Thank you for your time today, Dorothy. Thank you. You take care. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.